Welcome, Capo Beach Church Faith family. Once again, back to our weekly podcast. This week, there are so many things to talk about. I uh, made a mention on Sunday, and this is kind of cool. This is this is one of my favorite things about this podcast is that I don't feel pressured to have to cover everything in my message on Sunday any longer because I know that I'll have this chance um, to get into your um, ears while commuting or doing laundry or any of the other things uh, or into your eyes and ears for some of you that are watching the YouTube um, podcast. But I get a chance to kind of talk about some of the things I didn't get a chance to talk about on Sunday. So even this Sunday, I believe I said, I think it was third service. We're going to skip this verse. (laughs) We're going to talk about it on the podcast because there's just so much to talk about in regards to nonviolent resistance and enemy love. And so this podcast, I'm going to kind of pick up on some of those things and talk about some things that are happening in the news right now and some of my opinions. And remember, opinions are like belly buttons. Everyone has one. So I oftentimes don't share them all the time when it comes to politics or how I think the world should run, but I'm going to share some opinions today uh, because it kind of fits with what I think Jesus was saying in scripture and I think is a, I guess you could say maybe a healthy way to view the world in light of the current conflict that is um, happening. It's fascinating to me that in Matthew chapter five, as Jesus kind of breaks down these six different things where he says things like, you know, um, you have heard the law says this, but I say this. He does that six different times in Matthew chapter five, that three of the six times has to do with um, our hot temperedness. Uh, The first one is regarding anger. Uh, The second one is regarding retaliation. And the third one ultimately is like the climax of those, which is about loving your enemies. Jesus appears to really be passionate about the poor human condition that's prone to violence and prone to anger. And if you think about it, if you think back in Genesis, uh, we always talk about the first sin being the disobedience of the eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But post that, the kind of what that produced in the human condition, the very first sin in a sense we see is actually murder. Uh, it's, it's Cain killing his brother Abel. So in the narrative of the story, that's kind of the first, like the, 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 the fallout from the garden is murder, is violence. And you see that clearly God does not like <laughs> uh, violence in, and murder because in this, and again, this is Old Testament in the very beginning of the story, because what you see happen is Cain kills Abel. He is confronted by God. God says, where's your brother? He goes, I don't know. Am I not my brother's keeper? And then what does God say? He says, I heard his blood crying out to me. It's this idea that the blood spilt over injustice literally screams to God. And of all the things God hears in heaven is the blood spilled because of injustice. And in this case, murder that happened uh, from Cain to Abel. So, God clearly does not like violence, does not like the spilling of blood. And then what does he do to Cain? Well, it would make sense, life for life, right? But he doesn't do that. He marks him 
and that mark on him is to protect him. And then Cain goes off to kind of build the first city, right? Now, of course, it would appear to be that God's frustration with the human condition that's prone to violence and killing and all the rest kind of spills over with the flood. And of course, we see it the as the water subsides where Abraham goes and sacrifices, you see God come out and basically say, clearly this condition is not going to go away. This is the human condition that's prone to sin, which desires to lord it over someone else in the event that talking doesn't work or yelling doesn't work, that then they might kill the other person. God basically says, the only way to fix this is to do the opposite of that. And so Jesus comes, you know, much later, and we won't talk about the Old Testament violence and stuff. There's not enough to get into a podcast about that, but maybe we'll do one later. But then Jesus comes and he brings this whole teaching about how do you live in a violent world? And essentially the picture we get of Jesus is you take the violence on your back, you resist it and expose it. And, and what we get the picture from Revelation is, and then in the violent act occurring to you, you're willing to give up your life at the opportunity to declare the goodness of God's kingdom in the event that you do get killed, knowing that you will be resurrected in the end and you get the chance to live forever. And, re- and that's the picture we get in Revelation. This is the, the, the picture of Jesus in a blood-dipped robe, which is in Revelation, that's clearly his blood. This is the picture of him leading um, as a slain lamb, that he overcame his oppressor by allowing his oppressor to overwhelm him in the process. He stood there, accepted it, and spoke of the coming kingdom. And it's an amazing picture. It's an amazing picture of salvation and suffering. It's an amazing picture of um, resisting clearly, but nonviolently. And then in doing so, that violence exposing the evil that's there and not allowing it to exist in the darkness. And then you ultimately get the last say in the end because Jesus got the last say in the end because he resurrected and now we get to resurrect in him. So in the end, evil never actually kills us. And that sounds awesome, but (laughs) we love our lives too much as humans. So oftentimes we want to fight. We want to um, defer. We want to be angry. So in my mind, that leads up to Jesus in the end of these six um, breaking down of the laws and kind of saying, but I tell you this, his climax, you know, he he gets to the point his climax is non-resistant, sorry, um, non-violent resistance and then enemy love. And then he wraps up this whole talk with these six different things, um, essentially with the last verse, verse 48. And it says this, Matthew chapter five, verse 48 but you are to be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect. Now, what is he saying? Well, I don't think he's meaning it in the sense of our Western idea of perfection, which is a straight line or a perfect math equation or um, you know, a clean surface. Uh, the, the idea in the Greek here would be more less of like a behavioral perfection and more of a wholeness of maturing. So not that you do everything right in your whole life, but there's a growth in your maturity and that as you are mature, um, you want to be mature like your father is mature. Now, what's interesting to me is it would appear to be 
that what Jesus is trying to do around this issue of anger, violence, or let's say anger, retaliation, and then enemy love. What he's trying to say is maybe your best marker if you're growing in Christ is how you handle anger in your life. That potentially it's anger or our anger or our frustration or our desire for revenge or how we handle our enemies, that actually that's kind of the the meter for where you're at in your relationship with Christ. So you could say all day long, I'm a fasting, praying person. I memorized the entirety of the gospel of Mark. But the moment you flip off that dude in the five freeway or the moment you lash out at your spouse or the moment that you get so stirred in anger, you can't sleep, that maybe that's the better marker of where you stand with Christ, not just in the fact that you can say all the right things in all the right settings. Now, that could just be my opinion, or it would appear that that's what Jesus is building to, that our measurement for our maturity in Christ is dependent on our reaction to how we handle conflict, anger, desire for retaliation, our reaction to why we might bring someone to court or rally behind a stronger force to beat somebody else, that, that that's the part that touches the deep inside of our soul. And that's kind of the measurement like, wow, I'm so quick tempered, but I've been going to church for 20 years. Maybe it's not hitting me in the right place because this deeper issue is really the measurement if I'm really listening or not. Ah, take that or leave that. For me, you know, I am Puerto Rican and Italian, so hot blood runs in the family. And I would say in this study, I've been going, man, Lord, does it matter if I'm a great communicator of your gospel, if I'm quick-tempered with my kid about stupid stuff? Probably doesn't matter that much. So maybe my energy should be going into catching my tongue and my temper before trying to make a great speech in front of hundreds of people, because that's the real marker of where my faith is in Jesus. Now on to bigger and better things. (laughs) Russia and Ukraine. Oh man, this is not slowing down. Now, while I speak from that, as far as what our job is as Christians and where we stand in the kingdom, I don't feel called to to be in politics. I don't feel called to be in the military. And I do think that there are other understandings of scripture you need to walk through to know that you're called to that area, to see how God works in that zone. So I'm not going to speak about how a government leader should or shouldn't act in warfare. I'm not going to speak to how an individual should or shouldn't sign up to be in warfare and what that would look like. I'm not doing that. There's a lot of talks, just so you know, historically for the first 200 years of the church, they leaned very strongly against any being involved in any type of war. But we do know that with the rise of Constantine and then a 
um, St. Augustine, right alongside him, there was a theory that came in called just war, that when a country desired to go to war for the purpose of injustice or for peace, that kind of war was justified. And in many ways, we've kind of carried that belief system to today where some would hold to that just war theory or at the very least, maybe not advanced war for the sake of peace, but at least defend the the homeland of what God has given you. And that's would be a good steward of that. So I, those are different viewpoints. I don't want to get into any of that, but I will say this. In our broken, like deeply, deeply broken world, there is no chance of creating a utopian society. And what I mean by that is, there is a belief system swirling in America right now that if you just leave people up to their own feelings, they will desire a better way to be human than maybe their selfish desires. And there's an idea that if you just let everyone decide that for themselves, people will choose what is better. That doesn't work. (laughs) It just doesn't. As humans, we will say that is true, but then when I want to do what I want to do, I'm going to do what I want to do. And if that means harming you to get my way, I'm going to do that. But sure, ultimately, everyone should be able to choose what they want. In some ways, it just baffles me that, again, here we go, some opinions, that the progressive ideology is mad at Russia for you invading Ukraine. Because the progressive ideology at its core is you get to decide for yourself what you think needs to be true or not true. So if that's the case, then don't get mad at Putin. He's just doing what he wants to do. Who's to tell Putin what he's doing is wrong if he's ultimately just going to do what he feels he needs to do? Well, no. We, well, that. Well, well, no. We have to tell him. That, well, why? It, it's either what you believe affects everyone or doesn't affect everyone. Now. I don't think that. I personally believe that we are in a dramatically broken and fallen world. We are thousands, tens of thousands of years removed from the garden, which means we've just, in in one sense or another, we are in a constant decay. Our hope is Jesus in the kingdom, but the world is in a constant decay. And in our broken world, if there is not something or someone setting a standard for everyone else. And I think in our broken world, the only way that it's worked is if they set that standard by force, then the world will begin to fall apart. And what essentially happens is, is in the world breaking down, then everyone's going to fight to be that force for their idea. And so essentially what we're seeing right now is America for a lot of years was that force for good. And we said that we stood for human dignity. We stood for peace. We stood for these things. And we threatened the world with our strength to say, no one should treat another human in this way. And if you do, we will come and wreak havoc on you. Not that that's right or wrong, but that's essentially what has kept this broken world in some form of a state of peace. But in the last number of years, as our ideology has become more progressive and we've stepped back from that, other powers are beginning to step up and we've moved from a what one guy by the name of Fred Marker calls a singular 
polar leader or singular polar leadership of a nation to now it's becoming a multipolar leadership where people are fighting for that world power right now. And with their fighting to be that strength, they're going to push their ideology. And so what we've seen is Russia is feeling it's time to step into Ukraine. I think it's pretty clear that Ukraine is not the end goal. I think Putin's desire is to revive the old Soviet Union and then begin to lean heavy. And it would appear that that relationship with China, because both of their ideologies are very similar, they're both strong. America appears to be sitting back, allowing everyone to do whatever they want to do. And so they're stepping up and leaning in. So I don't suspect that this is going away anytime soon. I don't suspect that this is something that's casual. Uh, I don't suspect that it's going to stop. Maybe the, hopefully our prayer is that initially the loss of life in the actual, you know, bullet on flesh warfare will stop, but it would appear to be that this is an agenda. Some might say, and if you want to get into this, there's great talks that there is a fulfillment of some biblical prophecy out of Ezekiel chapter 38 with the battle of Gog and Magog. I've been sent a couple articles. I, I don't, you know, I'd encourage you to check that out, listeners, if you desire to get on and find just Google right now, Gog, Magog, Russia, Ukraine. There's tons of podcasts coming out on it right now as far as is this God in his fulfillment to what's occurring in relation to Israel? The group of people that would hold to some of that would be like your dispensationalist um, worldview. I'm not saying that's not true. Uh, But either way, the idea that humans left to their own devices will create peace and utopia is completely false. We, we, We will never do that. The goal of the kingdom of God is to be here to provide hope despite the human condition. And we desire to continually advance the kingdom of God. But we also know that that will go as far as it can go and reach as many as it can reach. And then at said hour, Jesus will have to step in and wrap this whole thing up. So that's my opinion. (laughs) And I'd encourage you to, to think about that a little bit. And in particular, I'd encourage you as we come into this midterm season and everyone's going to get a chance to vote, I would encourage you to not vote with your heart, but to vote with your intellect. If you vote with your heart, you'll find that people will sway your heart in different scenarios. If you vote for your mind, you're going to go, okay, let me look at the bills that these people want to pass. And do I think those bills are best for human flourishing? If you vote with your mind, you'll take some time to study the bills that are coming up. You'll study the different agendas that each side has and the sides that you don't see, which would be like the independents and the whoever else. And think we are in a scenario where Christians need to vote by thinking well about issues and put their vote in the hat that says, I think this is best for humanity, or I definitely don't think this is good for humanity. So my vote is to go against that, but not necessarily before this, but I don't, I definitely think that is the greater disservice to humans than this is. But we have to move past 
a feeling culture and Christians need to step up and become a curious, wondering, thinking culture existing in our current cultural moment. And what I mean by that is that thinking kingdom culture. Because right now, decisions are being made and there are agendas being pushed that Christians need to begin to speak into and speak up for. And I'm encouraged you to do that because one thing we've seen is if humans are left to their own, they will always seek more power. They will always seek more money. They will seek retaliation and even go as far as being violent to get what they need. And that's the human condition, and that's not new. It started just post-garden with Cain, and it traveled all the way to the time of Jesus, and it exists still today. So what we need to do as Christians is kind of step up and go, hey, wait a minute, like, I'm not going to be dragged into my feelings about this. I'm not going to, I'm going to choose not to be angry. I'm going to choose to, when need be, resist whatever's coming at me in order to expose the evil that's there. And I'm going to even go as far as to love my enemies. And then in that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to think intellectually about what's happening in the world and find ways to advance things that I think are best for humans, knowing that we still live in a perfect world and we will never attain any type of utopian society until Jesus comes back. And that utopian society is not what the world came up with. It's the kingdom of God and reigning with him forever. That's the only shot that we have. Okay, I guess I can step off my soapbox now. I hope (laughs) that was interesting to you, but I think it's really, really, really important. And, and in the end of it all, every one of us should be right now just on our knees praying for the safety of those lives caught in the midst of all of this political and power grabbing that's occurring in Eastern Europe. And in some respects, you know, not as violently, but I think we've all felt a bit of that. We've been caught in the middle of a bunch of power grabbing, even here in the U.S., but mostly around ideology, less around actual taking of physical land. Uh, Though, you know, we're never beyond that in any situation or any uh, particular category. So, again... Google somebody's podcast. I'd encourage you to check out Ezekiel 38 and what some individuals are saying about that and check it out and read it. I'd encourage you to check out some of the bills that are coming down right now politically and see um, if you would like to have a voice in that and pay attention to that with your votes. I would consider the understanding that truly it's only Jesus that's going to help us right now and we should do our best, but know that we are in a fallen world and humans left to their own devices will ultimately always create chaos. And Jesus is a better way to be human. And potentially if enough of us desire to do that, we can create settings even in this fallen world where humans can still flourish. I think we've seen a glimpse of that with America. I think Israel for a lot of years, saw a glimpse of that when they made Yahweh their true God. And the hope would be that there would be enough of us that still hold this text to be true, walk in what it says, and can make change where we are. Uh, But I think we have to realize that 
if we don't make the change and we don't choose to engage in the change, the change won't naturally happen because the human condition isn't prone to prefer their brother. The human condition is prone to protect themselves and at all costs, even if violence needed to push my agenda and whatever it is. Not trying to bring the doom and gloom, not trying to discourage you all this week. (laughs) Um, But what I'm trying to do is kind of wake us up that this idea of anger, violence, power grab, control is not a new idea. God has been battling it in the human condition since we first fall away from him. And his solution was his son and his son's teaching. And if we don't line up with his son and his son's teaching, we won't know a better way to be human. So as we see people who have no conviction to follow Christ's teaching, get in front of us and say, I know the better way. The truth is in and of themselves, they're not going to because they'll always choose the way that prefers himself, not everybody else. So we need a, a, a new beautiful resistance of kingdom-minded, Jesus-loving, Bible-convicted people to step out and speak that into culture. And if need be, in whatever situation might come, that we overcome evil by allowing evil for the moment to maybe overcome our physical bodies while we speak of the truth of God and then demonstrate his kingdom and what he does in the end. The hope would be that no one would have to do that, but I think what we're seeing in the world today is that kind of stuff's happening. All right, well, we've kind of come to the extension of our time here with our lovely podcast, and I understand that we've done a really good job at sticking to 28 minutes or less. And so again, as always, I'd encourage you to check in next week with the next podcast, watch on YouTube, please feel free. I think we need in our church people to show up and help other people how to learn how to subscribe to our podcast. I still get constant messages. How do I get the podcast? I'm like, it's really simple. Capital Beach Church at Spotify or iTunes or even YouTube. So if you like what you hear and what we're doing in this podcast, I'd encourage you, spread it around, send the link, find a way to copy the link, press the three dots in any one of the apps and find the link, copy it, send it to somebody so we can continually um, build our family, our faith family on this podcast, and we can continually get some more involvement. So I appreciate all of you that have written in, love your comments, love your questions. Some of the things you're writing in will begin to shape episodes in the future. And uh, once again, thank you for taking the time to hang out with us at our Capitol Beach Church Faith Family Podcast. Have a great rest of your week. Yeah.